0: Blob Talk Radio Get a little Left to right Spin around Baby that's right We've got burgers We've got beer We're gonna have A good time here
1: What happened to the song, but this is Off the Chain, and I am your host, Yvonne Mason, and we are starting tonight with a brand new author to our show. His name is Mike Nemeth. He is an Army vet and a retired information technology executive living in the Atlanta suburbs with his wife, Angie, and their rescue dogs, Sophie and Scout. He is from my hometown, and we've just been going over some old things that he and i both know about so it's made me homesick since 2013 mike has devoted himself to writing his legal thriller defiled reached the amazon bestseller list in march of 2016 the sequel the undiscovered country is the winner of the 2018 beverly hills book award for southern fiction Mike has also published two nonfiction books, $128 to one, about the NCAA basketball tournament and lies, damn lies, and statistics about the college football playoffs. Creative Loafing named Mike Atlanta's best local author in 2018. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is quite an honor because Creative Loafing is a very prestigious magazine in Atlanta. It's been around for a long, long time. Mike can be found online at Facebook, Mike Nemeth, author, or Twitter at Nemos Novels Fiction and our Nemos Number Sports and on his websites, dash, uh, yeah, hashtag, I can't even talk tonight, his websites and blogs www.mikenemothauthor.com and www.nemosnumbers.com. That's his sports blog. Mike, welcome to the show. I'm sorry my tongue got tied, and I don't know what happened to my music. It just had a brain fart, but that's live radio.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good evening, Yvonne. How are you tonight?
1: I am wonderful. You've made me homesick. I said I'd never go back to Atlanta again, and now I'm wanting to go home for a minute. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I keep coming back. I, I go away and I come back. I lived for a bit in Texas, uh, for a while in Colorado, for a while in Florida. In between each of those, I came back to Atlanta. And now I, I believe we're here to stay.
1: Well, I tell you what, you, you live in Villa Rica, which I know very, very well. We talked about Vinings, where you lived, which used to be a premier, one of the upper crust areas for folks to live. Now it's become part of the hood in some areas. And and ladies and gentlemen, every city I'd name, well, he lived in Norcross, where my parents lived for years until they both died. And he lived in Lilburn, which is the next little town over. He knows about Great Atlanta Christian School. His daughter went to Norcross High School, which is Right down the street from where my parents lived, it's like old home week. I I just, it's amazing. I love it.
0: So I also lived in Florida. Uh, I I lived on St. Pete Beach for six wonderful years. Uh, and and where are you?
1: I am in Port St. Lucie. I'm on the East Coast. It's, it's in fact gotcha. St. Pete and Port uh Port St Lucie, if you went as the crow flies, they're almost parallel to each other
0: wonderful, wonderful yeah so i miss uh I miss winters in Florida uh our, and and you can be glad you weren't here for hours here in Atlanta this year uh we're still in winter as we speak in March, which is unthinkable.
1: Well, you know what happens. You've been in, in Georgia long enough. You know that it doesn't get springtime until after Easter. We've had snow up there at Easter time. The kids, one time when they were little, had to hunt Easter eggs in a snowstorm. So, it, Mother Nature has a great sense of humor when it comes to Georgia.
0: <laughs> she does. She does. Like a few years ago, we had uh, uh, two really large snowfalls that made national news and we haven't had any since until i think it was two nights ago i let the dogs out late at night uh and it was it was snowing in march uh Uh just a sacrilege just a sacrilege
1: well my daughter was down here she was going home the next day this was on i think tuesday monday night or tuesday because they left on on tuesday so it was monday night she called home because they live. They live up in Jackson County. She called home, and her niece said, "Ain't Brandy, it's snowing." And she said, "Do what?" She says, "It's snowing." <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Do you remember yeah, the, go... the, the Do you remember the big ice storm in the nineteen seventies when oh, sure. everything yeah. it the, everything froze over like in a matter of two hours?
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, and we all sat around our fireplaces and uh, cooked with sterno and uh, whatever for about three days. Yeah, uh, that—that yep. is certain. Yeah, that—that that was a bad one. And then I think there was one in the '90s that was right around the Olympics, uh, if I'm yes. not mistaken, and people were flying in from out of town and they couldn't travel the expressways because of ice. Uh, yeah. So we we've had a few. We've had a few.
1: And when when one of the hurricanes came through back in 2017 in September of 2017, I had just gotten my husband out of the hospital from uh, colon resection because he had colon cancer, and I had to. He hadn't been home but a week. He's he, not even a week. Still had his staples in. And so I had to put him in the car because all of his medical equipment is, was electric run. So I had to put him in the car, drive all the way up to Jackson County, which as you know is almost on the South Carolina border and stay in a hotel with him. And the hurricane followed us.
0: Oh, so I have, I have the opposite uh, or, or a similar story actually. Uh, when I was living in St. Pete beach. Yeah, if you know that geography, It's right in the middle of the West Coast on the Gulf. And so hurricanes have a very difficult time coming across South Florida and then making that tight right-hand turn to come in over uh, Tampa, St. Pete, uh, and so forth. Uh, At the time, this was 2005 when we had four hurricanes in a single year. Uh Uh, So Charlie uh, looked as though it was going to make that turn. and and hit Tampa for the first time in 25 years, we were evacuated to Orlando where Charlie went.
1: (laughs) My husband told me about that. He said they sent everybody out of St. Pete, Tampa, and took them into the middle of the state, and that thing just followed like crazy, and, and nobody was prepared in the middle of the state.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so the Tampa area still hasn't been hidden now, what, over 30 years. Yeah. Uh So that's really, you know, one of the reasons why I chose that area was was exactly that.
1: Oh, we just have so much in common. It is just, it's surreal, I'm telling you. But we could do this all night, but what I want to talk about <clears throat> is how in the world did you get into writing? Did Was this something you planned on doing as a young child? Oh, and before we get started on that, I, I beg your humble pardon. This is something I normally do first thing, and I just got so excited about Atlanta, I did not do it. Thank you for your service.
0: Oh, oh, <laughs> well, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, I was part of that uh, generation uh which, uh, uh, revolved around Vietnam. And so our thanks came very late, yes. <laughs> if you know what I mean, uh, yes, at the see, time of was the conflict. War.
1: Yep. That was yeah, my, that was yeah, my well, generation that, and mine and your generation's war.
0: Yep. That was my war. And at the time nobody was very thankful, uh, and so and so it's it's really heartwarming uh at this point uh uh you know to be able to tell people that you're a Vietnam war vet and uh have them appreciate the fact that uh you did your service so so thank you you
1: are quite welcome and and thank your family too because okay. i'm going to tell you I lost a lot of friends in that war and and I watched how our veterans were treated when they came back and and I was embarrassed because that was not a volunteer army. Our men and our men had no choice. If they didn't get deferment for either being in college or or an illness or, or a physical disability, they went. And And to be treated like they were treated is just an abomination
0: yeah yeah you know i I don't really have any bad memories uh you know i wasn't uh, uh there are people who who have really terrible stories about returning to America and so forth and i I didn't actually suffer any of that uh, but but I felt as though it were something to keep secret for years, you know, Mm -hmm. nobody ever mentioned it. Nobody talked about it. Uh, Nobody told stories about it. Uh, I guess maybe, maybe at places like American Legion or something, they would. Uh, So, so it was simply forgotten for most of us until I don't know, 2001, I suppose changed Mm -hmm. everything.
1: Well, I want you to know, I have always been appreciative because the the man that I was engaged to and married when he came back suffered greatly after he got back, as did a lot of my classmates. I lost a lot of classmates. So I have always been very grateful and very appreciative of our veterans from that era because they should not have suffered once they – and you should not have had to hide the fact that you went to war. To me, that's, that's just wrong because – you should have been able to discuss it as much as you felt like, and you should have been proud of serving your country and being able to say, "I'm proud to have served my country
0: well i I certainly agree, and the atmosphere has changed for the better and so i I, I think we're okay. I know uh, a lot of people uh, I have a lot of friends who served with me uh, and and I think mentally uh we're good now it's like well okay uh we're good now
1: now we can move forward and we can embrace y'all and we can be proud of you and proud for you and if anybody ever puts you down just send them to me mike i'll take care of them (laughs) not a problem i will (laughs) okay i got your back so other other than that was was writing on your radar as a child
0: I, I don't think I'd say as a child um uh, i i I always wanted to be a politician when I was very young
1: <laughs> a politician okay and it, uh, I,
0: I was i was uh, uh yeah i I thought I would grow up to be president or something so uh not as a child, I think i was probably i was probably in college when uh I began to read books that had influence on me uh not only in terms of what the what the meaning uh of the words were that i was reading the messages that were being sent were important but but just the fact that people could do that uh could uh write things that would stir the mind uh that would stir the emotions that would influence people uh was was something I, I I really wanted to be able to do, and and when I was, and there are a couple of books that that really made the difference for me back then, but uh, and so early in my life uh, when I was when I was working for uh, uh, sort of living wage, if you will, uh, I wrote and and I have a pile of rejection slips.
1: <laughs> I understand that I had a pile too till I trashed them I could wallpaper my entire house with them that's why no, I took no, my I own actually, destiny in my own hands
0: yeah yeah I'm, I'm proud of them uh, uh, and proud of the attempts but uh, uh, as my business career uh, began to flourish uh, that was and as my family grew and, and we moved from place to place and everything I sort of put it on a back burner uh, if you will. And and there's a quote I just love from Hemingway. He said, If you're going to write about life, first you have to live the life. Yep.
1: Uh
0: and 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 so what I what I found as I grew older was that my life had simply been a way to collect material. <laughs> well
1: and so now
0: good. uh and, and so now I have I have just a ton of material and I have the time to uh uh, to learn my craft and, and put the material into uh, into published works.
1: Who were some of the influences in your life that helped you make that decision to put words to paper? Who did you read?
0: Uh, the probably uh, the first people who had an influence on me. Uh, uh, maybe I'll start with Norman Mailer. Uh, so I found a copy of The Naked and the Dead. Uh, I, I may actually have been in the Army at the time. And I read it, and I was just, I was just absolutely blown away. I was, I was overwhelmed um, with all the subtexts uh, in that book, all the different ways y- you could interpret that story. Um, and and how how well uh, he was able to communicate all of the emotions of men at war, and so that that just and I, and i haven't written anything about any war, but I think there's a there's probably a Vietnam war story somewhere in the future, but uh that that might have been the very first and then a completely and the fact, and different the fact
1: that if you read it while you were in service. You could relate to it on a level that maybe a civilian could not. Uh,
0: perhaps, perhaps uh, that that's very possible because because I think there is uh, a connection between all wars, right? The experience mm-hmm. of soldiers in all wars are similar on an emotional level. Uh, I, I I think that's true. The equipment's different. The enemies are different. The locations are different, but the experience is very much alike.
1: I agree, because it in it, the the mentality, the the struggle, the need to bond, because the guy on the, your left and the guy on your right may save your life.
0: Correct. Exactly. Uh you know, I this completely uh, this is a, a, a tangent, if you will, but um I, I I'm I'm very interested in there was a subtext about race in uh The Naked and the Dead. Um and a soldier from the South, I think his name was Wilson. Uh and so there's there's a great subtext about race in that book, uh that that really touched me. And uh, there, there are, in my experience, there are two uh, situations in which racial differences have minimal meaning to the people who are involved, and one is when when you're a soldier and you're fighting for your life, you do not care uh, what color your your uh, your mates are, uh, the other people in your platoon. Uh, the people that you're you're counting on uh, to get everybody home safely. Uh, And the other is actually sport uh, teams. And and in both cases, and and I do a lot of sports-related stuff, but in both cases, uh, it's that interdependency that I think just wipes racial differences away.
1: And I think that is a very astute observation, and it's a shame that we as human beings can't be that way. We can't just accept people as they are and say, okay, I'm going to accept you warts all, warts and all, doesn't matter what color, what what ethnicity, what religion. I'm just going to accept you. And maybe one day, I'll save your life, or you'll save mine. Because I guarantee, if I'm in a car wreck, and I don't care what race, creed, or color that person is, if they help me, I'm forever in their debt.
0: My all-time that just reminds me. My all-time favorite movie is a movie called Crash. Uh, I don't I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but there actually is a scene in which uh, a racist cop saves a black woman in uh, an accident situation. Uh, and, and so it just reminded me of that. But uh, Crash is a great movie if you haven't seen it.
1: I might have to watch it just for that. Well, I find yeah, no. all of this very, very, very interesting because you are not a native Am- Atlanta, are you?
0: I'm not. No, no, I'm a carpetbagger.
1: Well, not really because Wisconsin, I, you're from Wisconsin? Yeah, yeah. No, that's not that's not north. That's sort of midwest. <laughs> we we let you in. We say you southern.
0: <laughs> it's funny that you say that. I mean, I actually I was uh stationed in the army in Savannah, which was my first uh experience in the south. Uh Did you find culture then, shock
1: in Savannah?
0: Well well I I found that actually a lot of things in Savannah. Savannah is a a unique place uh because yeah, it's, yeah. It, it you know it's the south but it's it's its own it's its own thing. Okay. Uh, uh Savannah is not like uh the surrounding area within Georgia. A lot of those people don't consider themselves to be Georgians. They're just Savannahans. Uh-huh. Uh so, so it has its own culture, its own. Uh, but, but uh, no, I loved it actually. Uh, I, I liked it a lot. And then I went to Vietnam, and then I came back to Port Gordon in Augusta, uh, which
1: whole uh, different, whole different culture when you went to Augusta.
0: <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, it, it, you know, uh, the undiscovered country is set in Augusta, and, and it's set there. Uh, for the specific reason that I wanted a quintessential southern city that is still uh, a quintessential southern mm-hmm. city uh, so so augusta really hasn 't changed. I was there in no. the seventies in the army and and it hasn 't changed
1: I, they 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 're lost we, in a time warp, of we don 't know how far back
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there's been no downtown redevelopment. Uh, no. Nope. You know, it still looks, Broad Street looks like it did when I was there in the military. We were there uh, this past weekend. We were at the uh, Augusta Literary Festival, and I'll brag a little bit. Uh, the Undiscovered Country won the Frank Yerby Award uh, at the festival last, just last weekend. But Congratulations. But I love, oh, thank you. I love going there because there aren't actually very many places anymore where you can experience the Old South, uh, certainly not Atlanta. Uh, no. And, and and
1: it, did you find, because I am a native Georgian, and I've traveled all over Georgia, and and what I tell people that are not from Georgia and go visit, I say, now look, if you go to Atlanta – you're going to see a metropolitan area there's, there's all different kinds of dialects There's all different kinds of, of ethnicities there's, there's all different kinds of everything Because most native Georgians don't live there anymore It's like going to a foreign country But if you go to middle Georgia They talk slower, they move slower If you go to south Georgia They talk so slow it'll take you a week to have a conversation with them in one day. <laughs> if you go over on the coast, they're very hosp- we're all hospitable in the south. But if you go over on the coast, they're very slow. They don't get in any hurry, and they even talk different. If you go up in the mountains of North Georgia, you better be careful because they don't take a hankering to strangers, especially if you Correct. ain't from around here.
0: <laughs> Correct. 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 Uh, yeah, so true. Yeah, Georgia is many, many different things. Uh, and I don't, you know, most people in the country probably don't don't know those distinctions between one, one section or another. But it's very diverse. It's very uh, diverse, not only in ethnicity, but in, in terms of, uh, like you said, we have mountains, we have oceanfront, we have uh-huh. lakes, we have, you know, the, the uh, deep south. Uh, sort of ambiance in places. So, but I chose I chose Augusta specifically because I could write a, a southern novel in a southern city that was still southern. I
1: love it. I love it, and I love what you say because it is so true. The past is never the past and that is so yeah, true you, in the south we we don't forget we carry grudges we carry we carry everything for hundreds of years i mean we're still fighting the war of northern aggression so it's not what over well, two
0: <laughs> well and we're still influenced by our ancestors we yes, still we remember are. our great grandmother uh yes. and the things she taught us yeah whereas i think you know just the pace of life being different in the north, maybe uh those those things get forgotten uh everybody's living in the moment uh in in the north, whereas we have one foot in the past yep,
1: and it it you it know, sometimes it acts as our moral compass because i've had I've had people from the north say, "You don't have to say ma'am" to me," and I say, "Oh, yes, I do, my grandmother rise up from her grave and beat my behind, of course, I do. don't tell me I don't." <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly what I meant. Exactly what I meant. Uh, so our would. ancestors mean a lot. Yep.
1: I love it. I love it. Well, tell me about. Well, let's do this. Let's take a real quick break because when we get back, I I, I really want to. Um Dig into your books. I have not yet read your books, but I am going to get them because number one, they're from the South. Number two, I'll understand them. And I think you've got the South down pat, and you are a Southerner by design, maybe not by birth, but you have embraced the Southernality of Southerners, and you understand us, which most people don't.
0: I got here as soon as I could.
1: (laughs) You didn't know you've been waiting all your life to get to the South. (laughs) So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, a wonderful, wonderful Southern by Design gentleman, author Mike Nemeth, and we will be right back.
2: Best-selling and award-winning author of true crime and crime fiction, Yvonne Mason, is back with a brand-new book, The Pink Canary, a book that delves into the life of a drag queen and a marvelous whodunit. You can find this and all of Yvonne's other works on Amazon.com. Or find Yvonne Mason on Facebook and Twitter.
0: He's going to kill
1: me.
2: Buy your copy of Pink Canary now. Do you have...
0: horse is your new best friend? Do your nicest shoes get buried knee-deep in snow as your toes turn blue? Are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? No, not that kind of wolf. Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman, a true Montana adventure, available online and in bookstores. Or visit quinnwildlifeart.com for a personalized signed copy. Critics agree
2: it's a hoot. <coughs> Once in a lifetime does a great author set the stage for a wonderful trip into the minds and lives of their characters. Yvonne Mason doesn't just write books, she crafts memorable experiences. Best-selling true crime fiction author, Yvonne Mason, will leave you on the edge of your seat and checking behind every corner for the weirdos that only real life can bring. Find her books on Amazon.com, and make sure you check out such titles like Dreamcatcher, Failure Was Never an Option, The Pink Canary, and silent scream today. The year, 1888. The place, London's East End. Dead and mutilated bodies are popping up all over, from Stamford to Whitechapel. Jack the Ripper is leaving his mark, and the city's on edge. Yvonne Mason is back with a tale of murder and military. Rhodes hat factory is booming while the body count rises why now how are these hats connected has the hatter gone mad mad hatter Yvonne Mason available now on amazon.com
1: and we are back this is off the chain I'm your host Yvonne Mason with my guest like I said before the break southerner by design author mike nemeth and we are talking about he got to georgia just as fast as he could because he has just embraced georgia and her idiosyncrasies and her oddities and her southern grace and charm like a he was natural born there and he has written two books his first one is a legal thriller called defiled and the second one, the sequel, the Undiscovered Country. That's the one we've been sort of skirting around and dancing around because he said it in Augusta, Georgia. And if you've never been to Augusta, Georgia, I highly recommend it because Augusta is like no other city you've ever been to in your life. Mike, when you every time you go back to Augusta, do you find like it's almost like going home? <laughs>
0: Yes, yes. Augusta is a very comfortable place for me. Uh, so we were we were there just this past weekend, as I said, and and uh, uh, I still have favorite restaurants there, uh, favorite places uh, to go, uh, sitting down on the river walk and watching the river go by. Uh, and the And as you also mentioned, uh, the pace, uh, your your whole body slows down. Uh, it's mentally healthy.
1: <laughs> it, you are absolutely right. It, and I tell you another place that is very mentally healthy. When I before I came to Florida, I haven't been back since I moved to Florida in 2006. But on my bucket list is to go back up to Blairsville, and it's it's yep. right there near. If you cross over, you go into Hiawassee and you go up into Murphy, North Carolina. But it's like. It's, it's the mountainous part of Augusta. Everything slows down to a crawl. Your mind, your body, your emotions, you just, okay, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, so what? I'm not looking at a clock.
0: Right, right, exactly, exactly. So, uh, uh, you know, Augusta's right on the uh, South Carolina border, mm-hmm. and I'm also a big fan of South Carolina, which is uh, similar in a lot of ways to the ambiance in, in Augusta. Uh, and so we make we make frequent trips to. Uh, I used to have an office in Columbia, so sort of a satellite office. So I would go there regularly, and we make trips to Char- Charleston every chance we get. Uh, but, and 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 they're they're sort of related. They're almost sister cities, uh-huh. uh, if you will. So so we uh, are are probably me more than my wife, but uh, I really uh, I really like going in that direction.
1: Well, as as we have segued into your books. We're gonna go back to the beginning. You they're called a redemption trilogy and you say they're a candy coated prescription for America's ills disguised as a series of crime fiction thrillers. I love that description. Explain it to me, Lucy.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, I, I think uh, my approach might be a little bit different from other people who write thrillers uh, in that I, I want each of my books to have meaning other than just being a good read uh, or a fun read. Uh, I do want them to be entertaining, but but I actually begin with, uh, uh, you know, What issue would I like to look at? What issue can I highlight by writing a thriller? So for Defiled, the first book, for example, in the trilogy, the issue is that fairness and justice uh, are different under the law. Uh, You can be convicted in a a court uh, of something that you might consider to be unfair. And and just that premise uh, got me started on a story uh, about a man who gets entangled in the legal system uh, in a way that certainly to him uh, seems to be very unfair. And so it's a legal thriller, but it's actually told from the defendant's perspective. Uh, So the lawyers and the judges are uh, uh, necessary uh, characters in the book. Uh, but the protagonist is the defendant, and I, and I told the story from from his perspective and tried to capture the feeling of uh, uh, being forced into that meat grinder uh, and and finding that the law, you know, we all sit around saying, "Gee, it should be this way," or "Gee, it should be that way," or of course. Uh, you know, the, a fair court would see it my way. And then you go visit your lawyer and you find out that the law is actually completely different from that. Yep. <laughs> and, you are right. And that you, and that you can run astray uh, even though you think you're being on the up and up and a good person and uh, doing the right thing. So, so I just found that dichotomy to be uh, interesting and I wanted to highlight it. But it's a thriller. Uh, it's a thriller in which uh, uh, the defendant believes uh, there's a murder plot uh, being plotted against him uh, while he's going through this legal process, uh, and, and, and it's difficult for him to determine, I don't want to give things away, exactly who it is who might want him dead. <laughs>
1: And there's a whole host of folks that want him dead.
0: <laughs> well, well, there, hey. there, there are two in particular.
1: <laughs> and where is this one uh, set? I know it's in the set in the south somewhere. Uh,
0: well, it's actually set in St. Pete. Aha. Uh-huh. Saint Saint Petersburg, Florida. So. Uh, uh, in, in areas that I was very familiar with where, where I had lived for a period of time, uh, areas that I still love, uh, I, I just love the water uh, and all the water views, of course, and all the water sports uh, in the area. So, so I set it there. It, it, it could have been elsewhere. But there was also an element of uh, Florida law that came into play. There are a few odd Florida laws uh mm-hmm. that that come into play in the, in the story from a legal perspective
1: like, i thought georgia had some strange laws florida's got got georgia beat by country miles <laughs> uh
0: yeah it does and and actually florida even figures into the second novel in a, in a in a in a sort of uh uh, uh tangential way uh, so it's not it's not a main part of the book by any means. But again, uh, a Florida law actually does come into play. Uh, you've probably heard of the Baker Act.
1: Oh yeah, very yeah, very so for, it's very familiar with the Baker. My husband was retired from the state attorney's office, and my degree is in criminal justice. So, yeah, I'm very familiar with with the Baker Act here in Florida. It's it's an it's a twisted law within itself.
0: Well, uh, so for your listeners, uh, just really briefly, the Baker Act is the uh, law under which a person can be involuntarily uh, examined uh, for, the person, for the purpose of determining whether they are mentally sound. However, specifically exempted are psychopaths. <laughs>
1: Which so psychopathy, most, which which are the most unmentally sound people around.
0: Well, psychopathy is treatable, uh, of course, as outpatients uh, through counseling, drugs, et cetera, uh, and and so in their wisdom, the Florida legislators said, "Well, we don't we don't really have to include psychopaths," um, and there are a lot of psychopaths who do not commit murders or or do other forms of damage, although they are, in fact, uh, uh, psychopaths. So right. so that actually does come into play in the second novel. Uh, that particular factor comes into play in the second novel, The Undiscovered Country. But it's, it's setting, and uh, probably 80% of the scenes uh, occur in Augusta.
1: What made you go in that particular direction
0: um, uh, 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 well I, all of the if you if you follow the news reports on mass murders after they fall off of the you know the the front page of newspapers later. Uh-huh. What, what you'll find in almost every case is that family members, neighbors, friends, uh, acquaintances, everybody knew there was something different about the person who committed the murder. And yet, no one took any sort of preventive action to keep that person from eventually committing an atrocity and And so that's that's an issue that I felt needed to be highlighted. It's actually not the primary issue in in the undiscovered country, but it's it's uh it's in there
1: and and I find that so odd well, no, it's not really odd. it's normal human reaction. Because, like you, I I watched these people commit these murders and then they interviewed Joe Blow, the next door neighbor. Why, he was just one of the nicest people I ever saw in my life. He was always speaking. (laughs) But he did seem kind of strange after the fact you say this. Really?
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so. You know, and in both, actually in both books, there's an element of uh, the criticism of the mental health system because we basically don't have one anymore. Yeah, we don't. Uh, When it was was federally sponsored uh, a long time ago, there were tremendous abuses. Uh, The federal government no longer uh, funds mental health care uh, to any extent. It fell on the states. The states couldn't afford it. And essentially we don't have a mental health care system. We have voluntary uh, things that can be done, uh, but most people who are mentally ill uh, don't submit themselves voluntarily to care. Uh, and so they're just, they're just among us uh, uh, to the detriment of, of themselves as well as us.
1: And, and most of them don't understand they're mentally ill either. They live in their own world, and to them that's normal.
0: Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but then some, uh, the,
1: so, some of the people I'm that sorry. I know, I wonder if they really are normal. I look at them <laughs> kind of strangely from time to time.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, e- even the term normal is pretty hard to define, isn't it? <laughs>
1: that's, it's relative. It is so relative. <laughs> uh, as. as as the old saying goes, what is normal for the spider is chaos for the fly.
0: Exactly, that's exactly right. <laughs> so, I love so
1: it. That,
0: so then, in in the second novel, uh, The Undiscovered Country, uh, I, I was fascinated by the whole ancestry dot com DNA testing, uh, build your your family tree sort of trend. Uh, That's very popular. And and I thought, you know, is that really how we define ourselves? Uh, You know, we mentioned earlier how important ancestors are from a learning perspective or cultural perspective to Southerners, but, but do they, do they define us? Does our place in the family tree really define us? And so I created a character who uh, had had an abusive childhood uh, and learns uh, his mother becomes critically ill, and as he's caring for her and putting her affairs in order, he learns that his entire family uh, history, the part that he was a part of, that the part that he thought he knew, uh, was, was completely a lie, uh, that it was very much different than he thought. His mother was a very much different person than he thought she was, uh, not not negatively, but different uh, she had a life of her own actually she's she's a pretty remarkable woman, uh, but not the mother he thought she was and then he stumbles upon the fact that his abusive father was not his birth father and and it sets him off on a journey to uh, uh, learn who his birth father was uh, and, it, and 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 Along the way, he stumbles on a murder that no one knew had been committed, and he runs into a bunch of moral dilemmas uh, along the way. And eventually, he comes to the realization that uh, none of those things really define him. And in fact, his mother writes him a letter and because uh, she doesn't want to disclose who his birth father was uh, and tells him that uh, his who his father was is not what defines him, but rather what he does in the face of moral crisis.
1: I have to read this book because I, as you're saying this, I have done family history for the last 40 years. And the reason was because my grandmother never told me about her family. But when I started finding out about her family, the the curiosity in me, it just went over the top, and there's all kinds of goings on in this family. I could write two or three novels about this family. There's murder, there's <laughs> adultery, there's mayhem, there's yep. all kinds of stuff, unwed mothers. And then the other week I read an article about how DNA of our ancestors does indeed maybe not define us, but it does indeed sometimes make us make the decisions we make in our lives.
0: Sure, sure. There's, there's no doubt that all of those things had an influence on my character's name is Randall. Uh, Randall has definitely been influenced by the childhood abuse. Uh, he's definitely been influenced by uh, who he thought his mother and his ancestors were. Uh, but in the end, the the core of his character is what he chooses to do, and and That's he's great. given he, he's given essentially three choices. He can choose greed, uh, reconciliation, or revenge. And uh, you know, I make him I make him face those choices uh, in the book. And in the end, uh, uh, one of the very last. Sentences of the book, uh, Randall says, "We are who we have chosen to be,"
1: and that is so so true. Because we we there's a saying that I, I give to all of my friends that that we do not have to be defined by our past experience. They were defining moments, but they they do not define who we are unless we choose. To allow them to define us, and we learn if we go back and we study, like he did, his ancestors, we learn things, and we can ta- We have the choice to take a different path. I, I can't wait to read this book.
0: Yeah, I, well, I hope you like it. Uh, there's a there's a third one in the works uh, that I call uh, "Leaning Against the Sun," uh, and and. Uh, uh, in in this one, there are sort of two intertwined stories. Uh, one answers the question, what would you do or how far would you go to conceal a murder your wife committed? Mm. And the other, the other intertwined story is, would you participate in fraud if your job depended upon it? And, and these two stories are, are intertwined uh, and they dovetail uh, and then come to a crashing climax uh, at the end. But again, uh, I, I, give, I give my characters uh, moral questions to answer. There's one very cynical character who, who in the book says, uh, you know, when, when we're faced with moral crisis, we all just choose self-interest. Uh, and uh, while I believe that's probably common, uh, I I hope my hero does something better than that.
1: I think you've become one of my new favorite authors, Mike. And I haven't even <laughs> read your book yet. Because, okay, well, yeah. It, well, be, because I, I enjoy... A good story I've always enjoyed a good story That being said I also enjoy The things that I get Out of Even a fiction book The 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 life lessons And this is where you're taking Your characters And, and I read somewhere Where you said you were sorry You called it a trilogy Because these guys were Could just keep going on for infinity Almost
0: Right, right, uh, uh, and they're and they're uh, readable as standalone stories. Uh, they don't they don't interrelate back and forth. In that regard, there are common characters uh, uh, across the three different books, but uh, the stories are, actually stories are very different, uh, very different situations that uh, that they happen to be in. They just they just happen to be characters I like.
1: Well, are you going to? Continue after the trilogy. What else have you got going on? Uh,
0: yeah, no, I, I I I can't imagine doing anything else. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I love to play golf. I love to play golf. I love to fish. Uh, I love my family. We have we have a large uh, extended family that we spend time with. But I I work every day, uh, Yvonne. I've worked every day of my life, so I don't I don't see any particular reason to stop now and and I, I think I have more material so yeah probably we'll just keep on writing as long well, as the brain works
1: as long as the brain works and the fingers work you'll keep on writing
0: yeah 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 yeah
1: well, before yeah, well, thank, we run thank out God. of time, let's, let's talk real quick about your two nonfiction books because I'm, I'm pretty sure I've got some basketball fanatics out there that, that are going, when are you going to talk about basketball? So tell me about the 128 billion to one and lies, damn lies, and statistics.
0: So 128 billion to one are the odds against filling out a perfect match uh, March Madness bracket. Uh, those are actually the odds. No one has ever done it. Warren Buffett offers uh, a huge reward for the first person who, who fills out a perfect bracket. No one's ever done it. Uh, and, and in the book, I kind of explain why that's true. Uh, and it's because of the way the tournament is organized. It is organized to be chaos. Uh, and that's what it is every year. And that's why we enjoy watching, you know, what will the chaos be uh, this year? Uh, And, and, and in the book, I actually, uh, so I've, I've kept uh, sports statistics for like 15 years. I keep spreadsheets full of numbers. And so in the book, I I have a list of, uh, I think it's 15 rules to follow as you fill out your March Madness bracket, if you want to do well, uh, based upon 15 years' worth of statistics, here's here's what happens. Here's what is likely to happen, statistically speaking, in this year's tournament, for example. Uh, so, so there there's sort of rules to follow as you're filling it out, but but a lot of the talk in the thing in the book is is about why the tournament is so chaotic and so entertaining.
1: Well, lies, damn lies, and statistics, what does that one talk about?
0: <laughs> that one talks about how we, we, uh, we, when I say we, I mean uh, football experts, football coaches, football players. Uh, <laughs> my next-door neighbor is an ex-NFL football player uh and and I've gone through this uh with him and and he uh he looks at me uh, he, uh as though i'm I'm a little bit crazy, but basically, we have all misunderstood the game of football from the very beginning, and again statistically uh using the numbers, I can tell you that everything you hear during a football broadcast is uh-huh. you know uh and all of the statistics that we use to measure football prowess, greatness is, are incorrect. So I've actually invented uh, a whole new set of statistics to represent football games and what really happens in a football game. Uh, and, and as a result of that, I, I can tell you definitively, I think, uh, who the best college football teams are every year and where the mistakes are made when we put teams into the playoffs. So we we have had now four playoff years, five playoff years, uh, and and they've made mistakes every single year uh, in terms of who they've been invited to the playoffs. hmm
1: I agree. I I I'm watching them. I'm going. Uh, we done not fell off and knocked y'all in the head. You people are crazy. <laughs> and I don't even like football that much. Some of their... <laughs> we are
0: we are football fanatics in. In in the fall, we are football fanatics, and Saturdays are sacred. They're they're like they're like Sundays, Uh, but for us, Saturdays are sacred, uh, and we go nowhere in the fall uh, until football season is over. So our our travel times are the same
1: way. Yeah, when it was football, (laughs) it was football. He was exact same way. You are not going to believe this, my friend, but our hour is almost up.
0: Uh, this has been lovely. This has been wonderful. I, I'm so happy to have had the chance to talk to you.
1: Well, I am glad, and I'm glad that you enjoy a non-scripted show because, see, I learned so much about you, and it just – I told you I never know where the conversation is going to go. It just takes on its own life form. I just let it go.
0: <laughs> well, i I think it's good. I hope your listeners enjoy it.
1: Well, I hope you come back. Will you come back? Absolutely. Okay, well, any, tell, any the lovely, t- tell the lovely folks where you can be found so they can go and get your books.
0: Uh, well, the books are available uh, at all the online bookstores. Uh, Amazon, of course, is always the easiest. Uh, you can look up Mike Nemeth Author. Uh, I'm on Facebook, at Slant Mike Nemeth Author. Uh, so that's easy, author uh, for my website, uh, and, and in uh, mostly in independent bookstores in the southeast. Uh, but any bookstore can order one of my books for you. Uh, they're all in the system. They're all standard stuff.
1: And where is your next event? Uh,
0: my next event is in Hogan'sville, if you remember Hogan'sville, uh, oh, yeah. sort of, yeah, yeah. Halfway between Atlanta and Columbus or so, I yep. think, mm-hmm. uh, uh, sort of. So, so it's something called Atlanta hometown authors night. Uh, but it's way down in Hogan'sville, <laughs> uh, but that, that's the next event. And then, uh, that's March 21st. And on April 9th, uh, I'll be in Wake Forest, uh, North Carolina, at page one fifty eight bookstore.
1: Are you going to Lumberton to that event?
0: No, uh, actually, I I don't know about it.
1: Well, I'll have to send you the information on it.
0: Please do. So that's, yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. Up on that coast, so I will send you. It's it's put on by a college there.
0: Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I will I will
1: send you that information, and hopefully you can get in, because I would love for you to go to that event. I think you would love it.
0: Okay, great. Thank you, Yvonne.
1: And if you ever come to Florida, we'll have to get you in some events down here.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. My my uh, publicist keeps promising. <laughs>
1: well, he needs to quit promising and just get off his desk. I'll send you some <laughs> events that happen down here, and, and he okay, can get you on them nice. next year. Ladies and Super. gentlemen, please go and check out Mike Nemus' books. I want to thank him. Mike, don't hang up when the show goes dark. If you will, just hang on. I'm going to tell you a few things. But I want to thank you for joining me tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, this man is amazing. I'm telling you, he's he's even more amazing because he embraced Southernism with open arms and never looked back. He keeps telling me he got here. Good. So check out his books, The Defiled the Undiscovered Country, the 128 Billion to One, which is about the NCAA basketball tournaments, and Lies, Damn Lies, and Statistics, which is about college football playoffs. And as you all know, there's some, a few things I say at the end of the show, and one of them is this. People will forget what you look like. They will forget your name. They will even forget what you're wearing. But they will never, ever, ever forget how you have made them feel. And you do not have to ask permission to be great because you're already great. So with that, I will say thank you, each and every one of you, for listening. As you know, we've not been doing many shows, but we're going to get back on track. We will see you all once again in a couple of weeks. This is your host, Yvonne Mason with Off the Chain with author Mike Nemeth, and we're saying good night. Okay, we're off the air, but everything we say is going to show up in the archive part of the show when people listen to it. But I did want to tell you that once we get off the line and the show archives up, I'm going to put it on my Facebook page, and then I'm going to tag you in it. And when I tag you in it, you can send it out to all of your network. Tomorrow this show goes up on Spreaker, on iTunes, YouTube, FM.com, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, um i heart radio um two podcast podcast.com and podcast guards
0: wow wow you so are everywhere
1: over, you're heard in over 200 countries and we have about 250,000 listeners
0: wow fantastic
1: so do you you will, and what i will do is when i post those on the other podcast i will um also send you the links I'll put them up on the Facebook page and tag you and you can put them on your website spread them everywhere so that folks that didn't get to listen not get to go in and listen
0: I'll do that absolutely yeah I, I'm and a member downloadable.
1: of
0: oh okay well I'd love to do that as well uh, I'm a member of a lot of different groups uh, so uh, I will splash it everywhere
1: absolutely because you're going to get exposure like you have not gotten in a long long time my
0: friend <laughs> Fantastic.
1: All right, and I'm I'm gonna put you down because I do want you to come back because I have had so much fun talking to you about Atlanta, In my hometown, and I can't wait to read your books because they're written about in the South, and and I know you're gonna you're gonna do it up right, and it's gonna be a whole lot of fun.
0: Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate that, Yvonne. Jo uh, do, do you know Do you know Joanne Joanna Webster?
1: Yes, I do.
0: Yeah, so she's she's actually the person who uh, told me to get in touch with you. So uh, give thanks where thanks are due.
1: Absolutely. She's an amazing person. She just she tickles me to death. She's so funny. She's been on my show a couple of times. <laughs> what we ought to do is do a night where you both come on the show. That would be fun.
0: That'd be okay with me.
1: Okay, we'll plan it.
0: Okay, all right, Yvonne.
1: All right. Well, tell your wife thank you for giving up you to me for an hour and spending an hour of your time that you'll never get back with me, and that she will never get back. I appreciate it very, very much. But let her know that if you will, it's I will. That, and and also tell her that I'm glad that she got here as fast as she could too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fantastic. All right. Well, you take All right, care sweetheart. of yourself. Okay. All right, right. we'll
1: talk later.
0: Okay, take care. Good
1: night.
0: Good night.